those who know me, you know that a daily routine is vital to my health. You know, from my meditations, my prayers, focusing on what I eat, getting my walk and my workout in. But the one thing that's been consistent for five years is I make sure I listen or read two to three minutes of good news a day. Why? There was an amazing study from Harvard from one of the most popular psychology professors, Dr. Tal bin Shahar, that said if you listen or watch two to three minutes of good news a day, you can actually lower your cortisol levels, which reduces inflammation and stress, the things that I needed to do. We are so proud, we are so honored and excited to announce our partnership with the one and only Good News Network. GNN has been number one on Google, Bing, or wherever you search for good news. So do yourself a favor and make GNN.org part of your morning routine to get your daily dose of good news. To be able to protect the young girl in me, so I was going to keep a barrier away from me so I can keep her as safe as possible. And it wasn't until I started really doing the self-inquiry and really looking into what it was that I was feeling that I also realized that Every time that I allowed myself to feel something, it was scary and it was hard and it was uncomfortable, but it got lighter. I got lighter and lighter. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Living Good Currency with Tony and Tobias. So grateful for your time. We appreciate the support, the love. You guys are creating a community that is, it's just humbling. That's exactly what it is. And to understand that we can come together and to create this kind of atmosphere, allowing the goodness to flow from these conversations into people's everyday lives is uh, really amazing in these times. I mean, it is because Tobias and I have been talking for years now and we can have envisioned success. We envisioned people liking and being a part of our conversations. But I don't know if we could have, I mean, it's just it, when it starts manifesting itself, it's, it's an awesome experience to be a part of. So thank you very much again for subscribing and sharing and showing us the love. Today is a really, really awesome episode with Sherry Elise. Hey. Sherry Elise. You know who Sherry Elise is? Brother, I know who Sherry Elise <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, you do. She's known as America's Joy Magnet. Mm. Joy Magnet. Joy America's Magnet. Joy Magnet. She is a TEDx speaker, TV personality, and is a best-selling author. In 2013, she co-founded one of the first online holistic wellness directories and communities. She regularly appears on ABC, Fox, NBC, and others. She has reached over 15 million people with her inspirational videos, speaking, coaching, and writings. Her book is Love Yourself Happy. She does that, uh, the love yourself with the soul oh, hug. No, 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 the right? soul hug. You better know. She believes in the radical acceptance of ourselves. We truly can live a life we love. Brother, I've been waiting for this one right here. I know you have. Welcome, Sherry. So honored, grateful to be here. I'm humbled to be here with you both. Amazing gentlemen. So thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. Mm. I know Tobias, uh, hey. he started watching some of your videos and you should have seen Behind the scenes, yeah, yeah. the electricity that <laughs> was yeah, flowing yeah, that we yeah. call a good currency. Uh, so, Tobias, I'm going to let you uh, open it up with Sherry. Oh, first of all, uh, simply thank you uh, for people who have heard my story, uh, joy, uh, you know, and happiness, well-being was something that uh, was denied politically. Uh, under a narrative that stated in the 90s 
that we did not have the capacity to love. We did not have the capacity to be uh, social. We didn't have the capacity to love ourselves of others, not alone uh, experience any form of joy and happiness. So to see your, your TED Talks uh, and what I noticed very quickly was the vulnerability, uh, the doubt, the fears. And then from there, uh, I seen that we were identifying with the audience. You brought the audience in first. That we're all coming from that place of, of fear and doubting and crying our eyes out. But then after that, then what? And so to have you here today, that's something that really uh, you know, resonated with myself, uh, dealing with incarceration for 30 years, uh, people who have suffered from all kinds of hurts and traumas, so they hurt others. And so after that, then what we found inside of ourselves, exactly what you have been giving uh, us for apparently years, is that those soul hugs are real. Yeah, come on now. Them soul hugs are real. And that we <laughs> can. So oh, come on. So uh, first, so, you know, we welcome you. And I'm going to be quiet because we want to hear from you and I'll add on more as this conversation goes. Oh, well, thank you for reflecting that. First of all, like, I know your story. So I'm mm. like, I just want to sit and let you talk. Oh, no, it's all good. <laughs> so, We're together in this. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I think it's so important. Well, first of all, thank you for seeing that um, in me because really it's been a journey, as you know. Uh, it wasn't an overnight thing to get where I am, to understand joy, really, to allow it, to know what it really is, that it's not, you know, dependent on all the things outside of us, that it really was about finding the connection and truth with myself and allowing myself to be okay with the hurt, yes. to, to feel yes. it, yeah, feel to it. feel the yeah, sadness, feel to see, to feel the trauma, to, to, and to be all right with all of it, knowing that, <laughs> I, I know you understand this, but knowing that we're here to experience our humanity oh, and on, my man. humanness mm -hmm. means that I feel sadness, means that I feel yes, hurt, yes. you know, excitement, joy, all of it. So yes. just that, that was a journey in itself. Yes. So yes. being to here us. right now is an honor. Share 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 with the audience that journey if you can, and that will lead up to the the soul hugs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, at, at um, I always start with this because that's kind of just the turning point of my life. Was really at seven years old, um, finding myself on a witness stand, um, speaking out against the man who had sexually abused me. So it was 1981. You know, no one was talking about you know the Me Too movement was around. No one was talking about sexual abuse. Um, and it was something that I, I still to this day don't understand what gave me the strength and courage to speak up and to share that it had happened to me because I was like many um, survivors are. I was told that if I told that my family would be killed, that I would be hurt. And there was just something intuitively that knew that this was not right. And so I went and told. And immediately, you know, the police got involved. So just fast forward. So I had to speak up on a stand. And from that moment forward, everything changed. Um, I think I knew right away that the person who had done it to me, that there was something wrong with him. Like, I, I knew that like, and I knew that all people also weren't like him. And so I, I decided from a young age that I was not going to make everyone at fault. 
Like I wasn't going to put the responsibility on everybody else for what this one person did. And I always just somehow empathetically, like just understood that there must've been something wrong with him to have to, to have done this to me. But with that though, to be honest, like as you know, strong or whatever as that sounds, because I chose not to blame him or anybody else, I ended up finding out years later that I had placed all the blame and responsibility on myself. Yes. yes. And so really it was about the journey of uh, letting that shame and blame and guilt go. Shame. Shame and blame. Yeah. Excuse me, but when you say shame, um, I've come to understand that that shame is on the lowest range or frequency of human emotion. And I believe, just in my experience of dealing with thousands of men who have involved ourselves in shameful deeds, that shame is the worst in prisoner. My body was incarcerated, but many of us are imprisoned by shame. So there can be no radical self-love, radical self-care. There can be no joy and even happiness in our lives along as we are imprisoned by that shame. So excuse me, this is a conversation. When you said shame, uh, yes, uh, and I thank you for what you just said because especially dealing with men inside of incarcerated space, and many were young men, and I really wanted to know as Tony often tells uh, my story, that no, I did not commit the crime in which I was convicted under. But that does not mean I didn't have the emotional capacity or lack of capacity to commit any kind of crime when my uh, case occurred. I was in a very dark emotional space. But what that allowed me to do was to connect with people who were in the same space who committed crimes upon themselves and humanity. So when you say they're not blaming, because you understood at seven years old, seven years old, and I think we're, we're, we're more connected to our higher selves and spirits at those ages until we intellectualize or that ego get involved and we get to put on ourselves off into this world. But my point is this, is that when you said that you knew that hurt people hurt people, you knew that then. You might didn't say it as that. That's how I said. Just as people who love ourselves have a tendency to love and care for others, and that is the good currency in which we're speaking on. When you can start to love yourself, and then free yourself from the uh, the shame, the blame, and start taking accountability, not just for our individual selves, but for humanity. And I noticed my incarceration wasn't for me to blame the system or the super predator narrative or the people who drafted and those who were monetizing uh, my pain and the pains of others. It was for me to see how can I take on this challenge of understanding why hurt people hurt people. The person who drafted the narrative, he was hurt. He had to be hurt to allow such hurt to happen to so many other peoples. So how can we come to the point in our lives now? that we can utilize that you said happened to you. Now my incarceration happened for me. So look, I'm on a podcast talking to the joy magnet. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. You, you, you feel me? So it, I, I guess it, it was worth the 30 years that I spent that I can be with a person uh, of your repute uh, and seeking uh, to stay in that kind of, of connection uh, with you in that way. 
it's very powerful because we both are very young people, experience hurt, experience shame. I was in South Carolina doing with the Ku Klux Klan and all the racism they had going on, came back to Los Angeles, another state of bad situations, to prison for 30 years. But the end of the journey, the journey, the journey, as you said, led us right now, living good currency with Tony Tobias. With, yes. Come on now. Right here. So that's the hope. That's the resiliency cultivation. So I just want to add that to you that uh, I see you, I feel you. Joy, wellness, uh, who you are, what you are, coming from that vulnerable place, which I, I love to come from. I come naked. I come dead. I come just, just a blank slate to every kind of situation. And I'm uh, plumb excited uh, to be here. Sure, sure. <laughs> no, no, that was obvious. Um, but I want you to go into that moment if you can, because being with Tobias uh, for all these years, it, it, it's it's awoken me to the fact that we're all locked up in some capacity. Mm, he yeah. had often said since he's been out, he's seen more people imprisoned. that are imprisoned than uh, incarcerated. And you realize that. So whether it's it's traumatic of an event or events that you went through at seven or however long it was, or his Tobias's uh, lock uh, physical incarceration. Um, anybody listening to this show or watching this show has been locked up and has deep locked up for something. It could be, you know, uh, a rich kid who is just always uh, trying to be someone he's not or she's not. I mean, there's all these things that you kind of realize, and some, some of it and most of it from you know, psychology here is from your childhood. But it could have been a, something that happened at work, you know, that you're just traumatizing. And so um, I think listening to your story gives people the the playbook to be able to figure out how to do it for themselves. And that's what we believe we have as well as we're trying to share these messages with people. The question is what made you, what were the, what were the antidotes? What were some of the things that you did to once you discovered that it was yourself, that you were taking on all this added stress. And so how did you go through the process? Can you share that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I think it's important for everyone to know that we are, always doing the work we are always healing i mean i was just taking a walk i live here in la and i was just taking a hike the other day and i'm busy crying and like releasing another layer like it is a never-ending journey because that's Mm -hmm. what we're here to do Mm -hmm. uh so when i share it's always important for me to say like when i share this journey and how i began the healing like it's not an overnight thing i mean you know i went through my 20s and up to my early 30s, like even in denial that I was having challenges because I was told at that young age from being on the stand that I was strong, that I was brave because they found out he did this to other girls. And so they were like, you saved people. So I went, even though I didn't feel it inside, I went all these years going, you're strong, you're brave, you can do this. And so any of those other emotions I pushed down because that's not what strong girls would do. Like they're resilient, but you can only hold that down for so long. It comes up. It, you know, like those, your, your, those feelings are always chasing you. And so for me, (laughs) it really was about being exhausted, to be honest, like getting to a certain point in my life where I was so tired and you said this Tobias like about taking responsibility I was always blaming everybody else for like 
you know, the, the unhealthy relationships I had with men. Like, why are there all these bad men in the world? Why is there this? Why isn't my career taking off? Why is it why I used to call myself the dark cloud, which is funny to watch the transformation from dark cloud to like America's joy magnet, which the media did that. But it's 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 telling, though, because as soon as I decided and I was like, huh, could I really be this unlucky? Like for me, God, did God really put me on this earth to struggle and suffer? Like, why is everybody else doing okay? And once I started having and opening up that conversation with myself, inquiring, sitting with and listening, then it was like, huh, maybe there's a different lens that I'm not seeing. Maybe I'm only looking through a sliver of the entire pie. Yes. And once I simply allowed myself to look in a different direction, it was like, maybe this is about you, Sherry. Maybe you're only seeing this. Maybe it's not all the men. Maybe it's not all of those things. So I would always say that just sitting with and that self-inquiry and just opening yourself up to the possibility that maybe, maybe the ways that I'm thinking, what I've internalized, my beliefs, maybe they're wrong. Because we talk about, we talk about how we wish so our beliefs, as you guys know, can cause a lot of divisiveness, right, in our world. I mean, we saw it over the last couple of years from science to, you know, political divide, racial injustice, which has always been there, as we know. But we, we've seen that and we talk about that and like how people should be more open minded and listen to each other. But I'm curious and my thinking is, well, what about with ourselves? Yes. Like, yes. what about with our own beliefs? Yes. Like, why do we immediately believe that we're not worth it? Why do we immediately believe that we're not good enough? Like we've taken on and internalized these beliefs about ourselves. So I'm going off on a tangent now. No, but, you're not. No, you're not. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Because I was like, I could just keep going. But we've internalized these beliefs about ourselves. Well, what about if we started questioning where they came from? Yes. And that's what happened with me yes. is that I really just began questioning if maybe the things I was thinking were just not true. Oh, uh, with myself, um, you know, a lot of people know my father came out of the uh, black revolutionary movements of the 60s uh, fighting for human rights. So when you speak on our humanity and our humanness and, uh, you know, coming here as spiritual light beings, whatever the case might be, uh, to experience this humanity, uh, my father fought for that. But inside of his fighting uh, came a lot of anger due to post-slavery laws, COINTELPRO, uh, the FBI, a lot of his friends, you know, hurt, killed. So he birthed me, not only in his genius, as some think, but also in his pain, in his anger, and his angst against the system and various people who he felt authored such system. And so for years, you know, being, as you said, applauded, brother, you're so strong, you're so positive, uh, you know, all kind of things you, you can imagine because most people who are sitting in incarceration, guard and guarded, are miserable. So here I go smiling and hugging and, and telling people we're greater than our worst <laughs> moments and all this good stuff. But still, and I apologize to today because I was still hurt and sick because I had the capacity still to harm with my mouth. Why? Because I entertain beliefs and concepts and ideologies that did not support the very concept of humanity being a person means there's people there's people if i'm a person there are people if there is people we are all a part of this together so what will place 
me in the best position. So what I personally did, I was a child of mythology. And being that uh, the super predator theory was also a mythology. And so when I start studying the various world mythology, so now I had to travel out of myself. Then I went to Africa and start meeting the goddesses of joy or what they call the feminine entities of joy or the archetypes. Very mm-hmm. sensitive to language nowadays with people. We don't believe in goddesses. We don't. Okay, then archetype, a symbol. All the uh, symbols of wisdom and joy were women. Mm. From the Bible, from the Quran, from the Hindu scrolls to the Mayan scrolls. And I got the whole list right here. So maybe one day, B, you can go through this list. But uh, I brought them all inside <laughs> of my... so intriguing. Oh, then I, and then I was able to bring those. Because remember, the mythology said that I cannot have that inner peace that brings about joy. It says that I can't... Uh, they said genetically. They called it atavism that my genetics would not allow me to have self-love, thus to be in a positive relationship with myself nor the earth. So in challenging that notion, because often we take on what is being projected upon us. So then if I take that on, even the hating of it still keeps me connected to it. And that's what I found Mm -hmm. out, me disliking these CEOs or the system or this politician or the circumstances that I am kept me in a negative place that kept me imprisoned by the very circumstances itself. So it's not that it was done to me, it actually was done for me. So my point is this, then I went to the, uh, the yard, the same way we go off into the earth, and I invited Christian brothers through the Bible to joy by her name in the Bible. Then I went to the, uh, the Muslim brothers with the Quran, and people who were studying the Mayan, my, 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 my Latina, my brown brothers, and we all decided that man, we don't have to be upset. We don't have to be angry. We have a right to how we feel. I can't control these handcuffs on my wrist. I can't control going off in this cell because I'm going to end up in the cell or they're going to hurt me some more put me in the deeper cell or the grave. But what I do have the right to do is how I feel about it. And my feelings are solely predicated on how I perceive the event. And so just in this conversation, and as you are offering so much, and it's an honor and a privilege to have this conversation with you, I think of all the millions of people who look to you. Uh, I'm here having this conversation. And the thousands, hundreds of thousands of men and women behind the wall who will hear my voice saying, man, that is Tobias. That's Tobias. Look, he was here with us. Doesn't that bring hope and joy? Doesn't that? So that's just really what I wanted to share. And what you said, what was the antidote or what was the means? Mine was studying the mythologies that are so common, which we call in spirituality or religion, finding the archetypes of wisdom and joy, knowing that they always go hand in hand, wellness, happiness, abundance, and prosperity. Coming from that place, that place was really building on my own femininity that was being denied. So they call me the crying imam in prison because I didn't care about crying. And when I'm upset, I'm upset. When I'm happy, I'm happy. Let me experience the whole range of emotions because I'm human. And don't blame me if you think I had a bad moment. I, you know, I apologize. It's all a part of the process. <laughs> so when you say these things, this is what resonates in me. And, yes, it's about the journey. And anybody know about me, dear Tobias will tell you, listen, I'm not fully healed. I'm going through a lot, but I done figured out some things. And whatever I figured out, I can help you, 
But please don't hold me to this glorious moment we have because tomorrow you might look at me, oh my God, what happened? No, what happened is humanity happened. Excuse me, Tony. Please. Oh, continue. no, we've been through them. We've been through those ones. all the time. Me and Tony always, you said exhausting of the cell. Okay, we have a producer here, which is one of my bro bros, been in the cell with me. He's out here. His name is Bomani. And we was talking right into the office the other day. I said, bro, life only happens, God only shows up. When we are exhausted, we have mm. to be exhausted because as long as I think I got it, then I is going to keep on. We have to open up ourselves to the greater possibilities of which you spoke on. And this is what got me here today. Another one of our producers was driving me about my pink shirt. <laughs> it's Coral. Coral. <laughs> from, no, from over here. <laughs> so the point of that is, that I don't care. <laughs> Before I was limited yeah. to what everybody felt about what I got. My Snoopy hat. I love my. I wore it for you because he's dancing. You might can't see. He's dancing <laughs> in joy. So it's really about what I'm going through in my mind and what I'm seeking to project on you and our audience. Then with anybody around my whole life, like he said, the little rich kids who may feel like I'm trying to get my mama's attention or my daddy's attention. I'm trying to fit into a box and be accepted. When maybe I'm not that person, maybe I'm not the CEO, maybe I'm artistic, maybe I'm an artist, maybe I'm a creative, maybe I ain't figured out who I am, whatever the case might be. So it took me very long to be comfortable with me and being happy and not mad at you if you're not comfortable with me. <laughs> you feel me? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and that's where the freedom is. I just want to say, freedom. like, that's where the joy comes from because people ask me and I'm like, it's the joy comes from the freedom and being me. In every moment. In every moment. And showing up imperfectly and being okay with that and being okay if you don't find me okay. And that took years to get there. But now that I'm there, I'm like, that is where the joy shows up. I was sharing with uh, my uh, good producer. He was uh, very good. He's very good on making sure I stay on point. Because me, I just come here and wing it. And uh, I was told, bro, you can't wing it. You got to do research. You need to know who these people are. I do know who they are. They're me. And we'll just put me on there and watch it work. No, bro, you're going to learn to be a professional. Okay, let's be a professional. <laughs> and so with that being said, I noticed when you went through your weight loss. Mm-hmm. And I asked the producer. His name is Bomani. He's more than a producer. Uh, he's my brother and my friend. And I said, Bomani, how much weight are we carrying? She showed us the physical weight. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we can identify. We see one picture here. We perceive her as overweight, if you perceive her as such. And this is the picture that we see now of her now. And we applaud her. Whatever she doing works. Some people think, okay, he's physically fit. And today I'm carrying a lot of weight. So I had to sit down with a one-on-one with Tony before we came on. So I don't feel like a hypocrite when I come on this show. And I had to get some weight off me. Then Tony got some weight up off of him concerning our relationship and our business and what we're doing and what we are projecting on the world. He said, bro, we cannot be hypocritical. If me and you are not right, it's not going to resonate correctly into our audience, into our guests, inside of this conversation. So that was another place that I noticed. What were you saying to me then that we walk around weighty and it's time to just consider why am I so heavy emotionally and what am I willing capable or know how to do to address it in a safe and very patient my godmother said this and I'll be quiet on this one 
uh, I haven't been uh, very well at staying in communication. When you come out of prison, we live in just one time now, the present. Hours don't even, days, years don't go. So time goes on. I'm not communicating correctly with my elders. And she said, don't make me pull out my spiritual switch. I said, oh, no, no, God, mama, please don't pull out the spiritual. See, that spiritual switch is worse than any other switch. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, please be patient with me. She said, when you ask for patience, always temper it, temper it with compassion. So with ourselves. Yes, we have to be patient with ourselves and others, but temper that with compassion. And I believe that is one of the keys for me and Tony's success because we're hard on each other, but it's always tempered with compassion. So, yes, just sharing that with you. Uh, that's just what's inspiring me inside of this conversation. Tony, and I'd like for you to talk some. No, no, I want to hear from Sherry. I'm just, it's okay. There's many of these hey, conversations. It's okay. it's okay for me to sit back and just enjoy this ride. But talk about that, Sherry. What does that mean to you when you hear about your, you know, when you talk about your weight uh, transformation? Share that with the audience who doesn't know about that. But then ultimately, I'd love to hear what you just commented on what his uh, observation was. Yeah, the weight loss, I mean, well, let's just talk about the weight because the weight loss is just a a result of releasing other weight. Come on now. So the physical, for me, because I was not dealing with my emotions as a child, because I had nobody to talk to this about, Mm. because there was so much that needed to come up, but because I was strong, I kept pushing it down. Mm. And so every time that emotion rose, I quieted it down with food. Every time that it wanted to show up in the sadness and I did not want to handle it. Food was mind numbing. That was my, you know, that that's what I used. And of course, at the time I didn't understand that I did not have the emotional maturity. And Mm. also at the same time, for me, it was a sense of safety um, to be able to protect the young girl in me. So I was going to keep a barrier away from me Mm. so I can keep her as safe as possible. And it wasn't, until I started really doing that, I said, like the self-inquiry and really looking into what it was that I was feeling that I also realized that every time that I allowed myself to feel something, it was scary and it was hard and it was uncomfortable, but it got lighter. I got lighter and lighter. And in that lightness, I didn't feel the need that I needed to stuff down more. And so the weight loss journey for me, it it still took a time because like everybody knows, like you change your physical, that doesn't mean that it changes your emotional. And everybody thinks like, if I just got more money, if I just lost weight, if I just this, I would be happy. Well, guess what? After I lost the weight, I was still choosing because I hadn't gotten there yet, wherever there is. I was still choosing men I was in unhealthy relationships with. I was still making a lot of the same decisions. So it's this ongoing, again, journey. Um, And the physical was just part of that journey, but still not the end of it. Um, But what it felt like for me and what I feel like, I feel now in this body Mm. that I'm just not only hiding less, but that I'm trusting more. I'm trusting that the little girl in me is safe. Mm. that I don't have to push her away from the world or hide her away from the world anymore. It's powerful. I mean, I listened to this. I wrote down 
you're supposed to, you know, we were trying to get Sherry on the podcast and there's been some just certain things. So last time when we were about to do this, I wrote mm. down this, it's cool. So good currency, you know, and as these episodes go and the, by the time this airs, hopefully, uh, God willing, our journal will be out. So you'll, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about the good currency formula and the philosophy of it. But th- the idea just to, to, to share with you in a quick, is that we believe everyone shares the same purpose in life by definition of the word purpose, which is to do it, the reason why you were created, the reason why you exist. And from a macro level, if you study, it's to do good for yourself and others daily. And when we wrote that, it just, we felt this weight, talk about weight, this mm-hmm. weight lifted off our shoulders because everyone's trying to figure out what's my purpose in life. Okay, we'll tell you. It's to be of service to yourself and others by doing good. We just make it a little easier to know. Do good for yourself and others daily. And then the passions is your enthusiasm, your desires. And the key is everyone's trying to find out, like you said, like we talked about, maybe it's the, you know, people don't want to feel sorry for the poor little rich kid. Oh, you have all the money. Your daddy, your mommy have the money. But that's, again, we're labeling. We're not trying to, we don't know what's in their head. And they can be miserable human beings to other people mm-hmm. as well. So, but so they, ha- but everyone has a passion and everyone's trying to search for how do I, what am I, yeah, I like art, but what am I supposed to do with that? And, but no one tends to ask themselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why, why? Because without the why, you're going to always feel this weird weight. Because you can't identify why you're here. And it, everyone else, and you said it earlier, I was so jealous that everyone else seemed to have, but you know that that's not true. Everyone has their own stuff. But from the outside, it looks like grass is always greener concept. And so, but without identifying the why, I believe, we believe it's impossible to not feel the weight because you haven't identified your existence, your purpose. <laughs> Once you identify your existence, which is to do good for yourself and others daily, then your passions, the thing that makes you unique. Joy, you have a, you have a unique gift. Come on now. So the key is just to all, very simple. Go out with your passions and align it to your purpose. That's the key. And we just give you the formula. It's a daily journal. We just give you the formula. But in the book, we have this quote that says, self more. So the more you do for yourself, because just like when people that listen to these episodes are going to hear, but it's good to hear, you know, repetition is good. It's actually it makes you remember. But, you know, in the airplane, they, when the oxygen levels go down, you know, they say put it on yourself first before others. It's even your own child. It's, it's, it's not instinctive. You know, it's not an instinct, instinct to take care of yourself first, but it's important. So self-more, like how are you taking care of yourself, talking to yourself, addressing these issues, going deep, not just on the outside for others, but self-more plus selfless, not selfish, but selfless. The more you give to others, the more you serve equals self-worth. So self-more plus self-less equals self-worth. And it was like this lightning bolt moment. We're like, ah, that's a pretty interesting. Uh, anyway, that's, in the, that's what I'm listening when I'm listening to both of you. You know, you guys are really just bringing this equation in my mind. So I, th- I think in these sort of formulaic things so I can kind of take these motivations and put it in a practical way so that I can actually, we can get things done. Util- make it utilitarian, yeah. you know, make so when I listen, it that's really what you guys were doing. You go in to the self more, you lift the weight off, allowing you to do help others, and that ends up being your self worth. Mm, when that. I can see me, I see you. Hey. So until I can fully see me, like I can't see the gift and the beauty in you. Mm. I can't see the struggle in you. I can't see the humanness in you. Like 
as soon as I realized that I was this fragile, like human, you know, like, I mean, that's the body I'm living in, obviously. Yes. Come on. Come on now. We're spirits. Um, But once I was able to recognize that and acknowledge that, then I was able to give you the same gift. I was able to go, oh, he's not perfect. She's not perfect. They're trying their best. And forgive, right? Because I saw, you know how many times, like just in the talking again about the relationships, because that seemed to be my thing for me was like relationships with men. That was the struggle for me. I saw with my parents, like, so that's how it manifested for me. But once I was able to recognize that what you did or what he did wasn't number one about me, but it was about there. We all have our own imperfections. We are all struggling. We are all challenged by something. And because when I saw that I wasn't perfect, when I was able to forgive myself for my imperfections, then I was able to see, do the same for you and go, Oh, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. Mm. You know, it's about your own. So Anyway, when I see me, I see you. Is amazing. my point. Oh, Sherry, Sherry, you said something, and 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 I really want to touch on this. And uh, you know, I'm really conscious of uh, the I, because there's really no I. There's really we. Literally, I'm talking. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, the Dead Sea Scrolls, why would God, the Creator, by many beautiful names and archetypes, speak in the we? If anybody can speak in I, as God, me, I, even God speaks in the we. Mm-hmm. Distrust. Distrust is the foundation in my evaluation of every harm we placed upon ourselves, each other, and the earth. And it comes very in my experience in dealing with uh the 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 souls, the people that I, I was blessed to love on me and me love on them, that they all came from a point of distrust. They couldn't trust their parents because most of them, 80%, didn't have mothers and fathers. And they couldn't trust their mother and their auntie or their grandmother who was seeking to raise six, seven, or eight of them to give them the emotional and social needs that they needed. So then they went on to their communities where there was only more distrust. So they don't uh, trust the authorities. They don't trust the church. We don't trust older people. We definitely don't trust the popo or the police. And so we're coming from these places of distrust. So if we have a public uh, defender or attorney, no disrespect to the attorneys of the world who I've grown to love, Tony. But in my experience, eh. So, (laughs) but in our experience, they didn't fight for us. So I didn't have a mama or daddy to fight for me. So we come into the prison system, often reflectors of ourselves, distrusting. I can't even trust myself. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop smoking drugs. I can't stop having some form of sexual perversion. I I just can't. I can't even trust myself. So going inside of life and being so, so when you said what you said, creating that space of trust, trust, if you look at the etymology of the word, you start dealing with that which is true, that which is the truth. And when I mm-hmm. tapped into the truth that I am a spiritual being of light, and what is light? We get scientific. Information is energetic, and energy is informational. That is in this beautiful human body that is decaying as I speak. Then it gave me a better realization of how I wanted to spend my time. My name is Tobias at birth. 
which means the goodness of God. Mm. So when Tony and I came up with Living Good Currency, you know, the Good Currency Journal, then it was only a manifestation of my purpose and my passion is to do good and earn good. But I don't have to do. All I have to do is be. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing to do. I tell Tony all the time, I get on his nerves. Long list of stuff to do. I said, my brother, <laughs> I did not get here by doing nothing. I just be. And in this state of being, the law of resonance flows through me, and it ain't me that's doing it. It's we that's doing it. Because the universe is sentient. Oh, the cosmos is aware, and the creator thereof is one with us. There's no alienation, and I trust that. I feel that it's true. It brought me here today. This is a manifestation of the truth that I'm living. I looked at you. I said, man, I didn't even know who you was before they, the, the Bomani asked me to look you up. I'm like, well, who we talking? And that's another advantage that I have over most people. I have no terms of reference. So when I sat there listening, I was looking at myself. She's me. And I'm her. And that's why when you opened up the screen, you didn't see Tony. Because <laughs> in my heart, you know, that was me. And I was glad the last time we tried to get you on, it didn't work. I knew today was going to be. I said, if she is who she claims that she is, and I'm banking on she is, people, you know, I don't impress easily. I've seen too much and experienced too much on various dimensions mm -hmm. and realms. I said, she's going to come whenever it's possible for us to get together. And we're going to do our <laughs> stuff. We gonna, me and her going to do our stuff. And I'm living it. I've got goosebumps on these arms. And so, yeah, so uh, just really appreciate. And I'm looking at this time. I was dreaming. I'm like, oh! <laughs> we have time. We have time. You know, we have time. So tell us, Sherry, what are the things? I know, you You know, with your book, Love Yourself Happy. Mm. Tell us about that book and, 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 and how that came so about. Happy. Hmm. Well, that's my lifelong journey. I mean, the, 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 the subtitle is you're – love yourself happy a journey back to you mm. and that is really just my life of the i set it up as a road trip because i love the open road mm. anytime i get in my car behind the wheel there's freedom there's the windows down there's the loud music there's the singing and there's me just being right and so i set the book up as a road trip with detours rest stops and fuel ups and all of it is, it starts with my journey, of course, at seven, but it really is about the lessons learned that I share um, really through storytelling, you know, truth telling, which I believe wholeheartedly in as soon as we let go and drop our masks, the whole world would be healed because we'd all see we're so much more alike mm. than we think. Um, but the book itself really takes place. It starts, started writing it in Italy. My boyfriend at the time, who's now my fiance, so this is a spoiler alert, but he had broken my heart. He was supposed to move out to LA from New York. And I told my roommate that we were moving out. Like, so I had nothing to do when he called me and told me he didn't love me. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna sell all of my belongings, quit my job, and I took off to Italy for the summer. And in those three months that I was there where I didn't speak the language, and I decided to stay in this really small village where no one spoke the language, uh, I found myself. Hey. And, and by that means I just spent time with myself. 
And in that stillness, I wrote a lot of a lot of the book and I share a lot of it in there. And it's really just about the journey coming home to myself and everywhere that I looked for, for me and for happiness and what life means to ultimately come back and see that it has always been here. It has never left me. And as soon as we start to look inward, then we'll know life, we'll know freedom, we'll understand each other more. And and also with 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 love yourself happy when you when you were in that self reflection mode is that because you had mentioned God too and you know we we talk you know people call the universe God whatever mm-hmm. we also say God but is that when you also connect do you find that connection when you when you said it I'm all I've always been here it's always here mm. are you finding that sense of perfection that connection with the source. Is that is it? Is there is something you can explain and share that journey, or that thought, if there was? Yeah, no, no. When I when I say connecting to me, that is God, because we are all. Um, I am not separate from anything. Come we are not speak, separate from speak, the earth. We are speak. not separate from God. We are not separate from the heavens. Um, and the only thing that separates us is the idea, the illusion that we're separate. Speak. Amen. Speak. So. Uh, yeah, that was just and and it and actually I talk about it in my in my TED talk was that I had a moment with God in a church and I'm I, I make a joke like I'm Jewish so I didn't even know I liked yeah, churches. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. but that whole summer I was I discovered things and yes. in a moment of just being fully exposed and fully open, I heard the words at me from which I know audibly was God that said to me, you weren't supposed to leave her. You Mm. were supposed to love her. Come on now. Mm. Come on now. And for me, that was the moment that I knew that I had separated and disconnected from myself from seven years old. So the entire journey, everything, it was like what you would imagine in a movie. Everything flashed back really quickly to me, my entire life, every single moment that led up to that moment to go, hey. And back in body and wholeness. Oh, Sherry, listen, when you say what you just said, the scripture comes to mind when it speaks of Yahshua, the Messiah, the Christ, the Jesus, and forsake not the child accessibility to the Christ. We believe that is sincerely the inner child. That inner child, seven years old is when my parents got divorced. 1977, I was seven. That's how I start off the speech. And I was with my father for three years. My mother went to South Carolina. So this is a very critical time in my growth, my development, mm-hmm. my thinking, my perception, my identity, my emotions, in periphery of my life. When I was seven, my keep young baby boy Tobias on the forefront of me at all times. And when you said detours, rest stops, and fuel ups, that's the sacred trinity on this journey. Mm-hmm. Detours. Very similar to you, no different. You was in Italy, I was in Calipatria, Death Valley, 130 degrees. That was a detour in my life. 30 year detour. Didn't speak the language, didn't know nobody, but I spoke the language and I knew everybody. And there was a time for me to go ahead and take a rest stop, finding myself deeply. And not only did I find myself, I found myself. I found that there is no multiple gods. It's all one. 
And then mm-hmm. I ran into the scientific truth that support that everything is one. And then you said that heaviness and then that lightness. Lightness is not only within physics or weight. Light is that light that starts to emerge out of all that pain and all that darkness and all that meanness that little boy then, 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 then was put up on him. So I noticed the more light I became, the more light that was flowing through me. So powerful. Yeah. You know, this is the fuel up now. There's something about to happen, so you got to be fueled up. <laughs> that the system, the same system that was I thought was against me, it was like a womb that said, it is time for you to be birthed out into the world to help others come to the same conclusions that you have held. Plato spoke of this inside the Republic in the cave about some young people, some children that was stifled or or held down or suppressed due to fear that was being projected upon their imaginations, thus their prefrontal lobes, so wisdom could not form within them. So then she awakened them, and they became pedagogues, and it was released out into society to bring the youth to school. This is not just the youth, the babies, 10, 11, 12, 13. This is the youth, the forsaken youth inside of us. So as I'm listening to you, when you spoke and I wrote it down, detours, rest stops, and fuel ups. I said, boy, she's something. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just nailed something. Uh, and Sherry, you could probably talk on it, but that's exactly right. So sometimes people might be listening to Tobias and say, mm-hmm. yeah, let me try to relate, but I can't relate to those because I'm just, I'm not seeing, I'm, they're not going deeper. They're just seeing his circumstances and feeling sorry. And, um, and maybe they don't have the, and then you, they, maybe they didn't have your traumatic event at seven years old that was like this. And so that's another issue is that the people aren't allowing themselves to go deep and realizing that there's, and I love it, whether you're my age or whether you're in your 50s, 60s, 40s, if you're still here and you're still with us, we all have that inner child inside of us. Come on, bro. And that's really what it is. It's that inner child, that, that purity that we have that you can tap into at any place. And then you start realizing the things that, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are holding you down and locking you up. So, so I think it's important because I think I would almost imagine, and I know listen to some of your talks, that it's not so much that you have to keep going back to that event at seven. I'm sure there's so many other, like you said, you start seeing other things that were this pattern of of situations that whether they're related to that incident or not, but that it's this inner child of ours. And when you really can tap in, I, I, I say this often, if we could as strangers love each other, the way that we, or respond to each other, the way we respond to a cute baby or a dog, mm-hmm. and just go to a neighborhood or go down the street. Someone sees a cute dog. They don't even look up at the person that's walking the dog. They don't say hi. They don't say what's your name. What is his name? Is she so you know, oh, and you know, Robin, love, just pure love, just enjoying the moment. And it's a sweet moment. But they don't even look up and say, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. Or so, right? It's just, it's about the dog. Or the baby. Or the baby. Oh, the baby's. But that baby's going to grow up one day. Now, are you going to still say, oh, what a good. No, you're not, because now it's an adult. You're not going, oh. I just think about that. Like, if we take the time to just look at each other through the lens of the way we look at babies and cute dogs, 
Tony. Man, it thinks Tony, it's Tony. trust. It's it goes back to trust. Yes, yes, like yes, we do yes. not trust. We we trust babies and we trust animals. Yes. And I think that's our purity coming out. That's who we are. That's our inner child, mm, right? Yes. But we hold back on that. That's right. Because we don't have we don't have a trust within. First right. of all, like come on, come yeah, on, the baby's on. not going to judge us. The dog's not going to no, judge right. us. Not the truth. But that owner may right. judge me. What are you asking my name for? You why? Touching my dog. Yeah. Why touch my dog? You know. Like, he didn't ask me permission. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony, you know so, what the weirdest thing? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to offer uh, this, but you go first. No, I got mine. I'm going to hold it. So please, share. Well, but it's going to go off on another tangent. I was just going to say the weirdest thing when we talk about not looking at other people, like, you know, what their dog's like. I often think, and I did this video, this funny video on elevators, like how we'll go into this enclosed space with each other like with another human being and not say a word, like act like they do not exist. And we're all so uncomfortable. Yes. Like, and I'm guilty of it at times too. And then I once did this, this little fun video of like an elevator party and I had all of these props and people got on the elevator and I started giving them horns and everything. And I just got everybody having fun and looking at each other. So yes. it just reminds oh, me I thought you were going to go somewhere. I thought you were going to add to that because What's so funny about the elevator, same observation as the kid, the dogs, and the babies. But here's what mm -hmm. I thought you were going to ask. Add to it. You get in the elevator, one person, two people, you don't say nothing. But as soon as that door opens up to leave, have a good day. And <laughs> breathe. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, that, so yeah, I mean, so that's where we get the courage when we can't get a response back. It's done. I'm out. I'm out. Have a good day. And I'm guilty of it all the time because I mean, eh, maybe they don't yeah. want to engage in me. And now with COVID, I got my mask on. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But I noticed my dad got in the elevator the other day when we were going to, the, and he can't help himself. No, your daddy has no fear. My dad can't help himself. How you doing? Hope, I hope you feel better because we were going to this uh, doctor. And he just, thank you. Th I mean, my dad can't help himself. Me, yeah. I'm still like, you know, well, maybe they don't want to be talked to. Maybe, just, But mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure before I leave, I'm going to say, have a good day. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, 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 and they respond like they wanted you to say something. Yeah. Oh, you too. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, uh, Tony, uh, that that comes from especially with your father. Your father doesn't have any fear. Yes, that's true. You have any fear. And your father is going to experience what he experiences. Whether you don't want to share it with him, he's experienced that's it. True. And he's dropping seeds. That's true. That's a seed. Goodness is a seed. Uh, but it what is. you what you were striking in me was this morning before I speak on the super and the predator narrative and the theory and the mythology, it, it required me to research the author. And I learned something today. I knew that he recanted what he gave uh, that whole system, political system, judicial system. He recanted it like five years ago. I was still incarcerated. But I didn't know what he said. It's not me to judge his heart, his intention, whatever the case might be. It's the words that Tony just said. He said, I sat amongst, you remember, this is a Harvard graduate, aide to a president, criminologist, mythologist, theorist. Right now he is a professor at a prestigious school. Look at the periphery of his 30 years and the periphery of mine. I will meet him one day and you know your name. But this is what he said. He said, I sat amongst the people who I demonized, and I've learned a valuable lesson. We do not need to be judged and punished. Those children need the arms wrapped around them. And when he said that, I said, I'm going to give him credit because I've made a career off of beating up on him for the last 30 years.
So let mm. me be just. Let me be just. I'm not going to judge his heart because nobody's judging my heart. But his words are, are words of wisdom. When can we place our arms around each other? That soul hug. That spiritual hug. When is that going to come about? For that's what the inner child needs. On a deep level, on a deep level, and it's another thing that you said on the highway of life. I love the highway of life. You said turn the music up, and I'm going to sing, and I'm going to dance. We have to turn the music up in love, though, in love, and sing every mythology. And me and you call me on it. Please, I'm begging you call me. Tobias, I'm going to meet you later on, and you're going to show me that. Yes, I am. I already got it right here ready for you. Every mythology, every archetype that has to do with wisdom and joy and abundance is also the goddess or the female entity of dancing and singing and joy and festivity and abundance. So when you say this, uh, that's how I really be like, man, that's what they didn't want us to do in prison. They took the radios. It was a crime to sing. It was a crime to uh, 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 to smile. It was a crime to grab hands with another race. Mm. When brother said, brother, we're going to fight on the yard, I said, no. We're going to go outside. All of us are going to hold hands and just raise them up in the air, and we're just going to drop our heads, and I guarantee it's going to terrify them. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've done it so many times. As soon as we go out, they say, whoever did that is the most dangerous man on the yard. You got these people to stop, think, be revolutionized because they're going to hold hands and drop our heads in humility, not to your ugliness, not to your bitterness, not to your harm, but to our greater humanity. We are being more human than you in this moment. Not saying you don't have the capacity later on, but in this moment, you're seeking to provoke us to harm and we're coming together for the greater good. So as we were speaking about that role to life, Loving on each other and turning up that music, that soul music, that angelic music. And sing and dance. When people heard me on the Kelly Clarkson show and I said, love boldly. Oh, when you said that radical love, I said, yeah, she got it, she got it. Who am I to tell you that you got it? <laughs> you feel me? That's what they say. Who is he? Oh, I am who I am. But you don't see it in me because you have it in you. That's, that's right. it. That's right. That's right. And soul hugs start with ourselves. Oh, I'll, off keep, the top. I'll keep going back to self. I'll keep going back to self because mm. that's when we could do it with others. That's when we could see others. So, yeah, this and good. this came. I don't Yes. Yeah, I don't know if we have a quick minute to Ooh, share yeah, where that actually share. came. Yes, yes, that's what I- where that actually came from was about. It was before the Italy trip. I had had this breakdown in the shower mm. uh, where because my abuse, like it was, always, I always intellectualized it. I was always looking at it from an outside perspective. I'd never lived it, and in this moment, all of the memories of it came back. And I remember, I remember in that moment asking my inner child, like, what did you need? What did you need? Because that just came to me. And I heard the words, I just needed a hug. Speak on. And then I literally heard again, audibly, because I get it in these few moments, God say, so give her a hug. And right there in the shower is when I just wrapped myself, my arms around myself, and I started bawling because that seven-year-old didn't have anyone to say, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that happened to you. Let me hold you because everyone in my life was uncomfortable. They believed me, but they didn't know how to handle it. And I didn't know how to say what I needed. But in that moment, that seven-year-old said I needed a hug. God said, give her one. And I did. And my life changed from there on out. Self-compassion, self-love is the foundation for healing all of us. And that is what healed me. And that is why joy moves through me. Speak. Because I've gifted myself with that. The, the mic has been dropped. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. That is the best way to end this podcast. Sherry, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your wisdom reminding us that we just need to give ourselves some hugs. Soul hugs. That's soul hugs. And for all those who are listening, please check out SherryAlise.com. That's S-H-A-R-I-A-L-Y-S-E. You can follow Sherry by her latest book, Love Yourself Happy. Check out her TED Talk and just keep your eyes on Sherry Elise. She's America's joy magnet. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Sherry Elise. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living Good Currency. Good Currency.